Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, coming to you at a fraction of the cost of those name-brand afternoon shows, where I will pass the savings on to you. It's going to be a great hour. My uh, friend and Bible mentor, Jeff Verdorn, is here with me. I brought security along with him today. It was impressive. I thought that was not necessary, but he did it anyway. And we're going to talk about, uh, do you call yourself a Christian or a Christ follower? Hmm. It'd be an interesting discussion. Uh, Jeff is uh, teach teaches um, as at Grace Church in Eden Prairie, and he has uh, just been a longtime friend of mine. And when I when I have a question, I have uh, I usually go to him first. So I'm always glad to have him here. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Bill. And explain uh, security today because I feel a little threatened by the, the guy security. to your right flexing his muscles at me. Yeah. Well, he, this is my youngest son, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he is. He actually could do security. He's actually on the performance shooting team at Liberty University. Nice. And I've seen him shoot long gun, short gun, handgun um, at a, uh, what was that name of that competition, Sam? Oh, uh, that was our SASP Nationals, Scholastic Action Shooting Program Nationals. Awesome. And who was the most valuable player on your team? That was me. Yep. Whoa! <laughs> Seriously, that's cool. Proud Papa. Yeah, I bet you are. And the wedding, how'd that go? The wedding went fantastic. So, um, father was, of the bride, I was, yeah, and Sarah uh, got married. Almost my young, my middle uh, daughter got married last weekend, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was Plan B. Our Plan A could not happen because of the COVID thing, so we couldn't have a large large wedding. So we ended up having a small gathering at my parents' home on Lake Minnetonka, and it was just beautiful. She awesome, was a beautiful bride. Awesome. All right, let's talk about this idea. Do you call yourself a Christian, or or do you call yourself a Christ follower? And is there a difference? So this has come out of the last few years. I've noticed more and more people using the phrase Christ follower instead of Christian. And I've, I've always, for whatever reason, and I don't really know why, always kind of had a little bit of a negative twing, e- twinge every time I heard the phrase Christ follower instead of Christian. I think maybe it's because Christian I know is in the Bible, right? And we'll look to see if Christ followers in the Bible. It isn't. Uh, but I didn't really know why I kind of felt that way. So I thought I'd take a look at it and see what we could find. So the first thing I did was decided to go out and read some folks to find out why they have chosen to call themselves Christ followers rather than Christians. So here's a couple things that I found on the Internet. One guy says a Christ follower can be a Christian or a person that follows the teachings of Christ. Most Christ followers are Christians, and they do not like to use the word Christian because it has been abused by phony people claiming to be Christians that were not. I really like the term Christ follower because it tells people that I follow Christ and do not uh, follow the religion of Christianity. So notice a couple things here. He makes the distinction between Christian and Christ follower, like they don't mean the same things, Mm -hmm. and that people don't use the word Christian because it sounds phony for whatever reason, and he wants to communicate that he's a Christ follower. Another person said, a friend of mine was texting me the other day, telling me about how he's been bringing his girlfriend to church with him lately. 
but ultimately she refuses to be called a Christian. I think my response caught him off guard when I said, good. I told him his goal isn't to make her a Christian, it's help her to become a Christ follower. Here's what I see as the difference between Christians and Christ followers. In, in a case like this, where you're dealing with someone who has a negative impression of Christians, she sees that label as someone that defines someone who's closed-minded, a Republican, a hypocrite. Of course, she doesn't want to wear that label, but we as Christians also have our own definitions or labels of Christians referring to someone who goes to church as pro-life or doesn't support same-sex marriage. So here in this case... He's also making the distinction between a Christian and a Christ follower, like they're two different things. People don't like the word Christian because there's negative connotations or negative impressions or negative political connotations mm-hmm. for the person. And so they also want to emphasize that they are f- trying to be good followers of Christ. So that was the emphasis there. There's also a well-known YouTube video called Christian No More that came out a few years ago, and it kind of went viral in in a way in Christian communities, and it portrays Christians, those who call themselves Christians, as kind of um, shallow, church-going, you know, King James Version-only, you know, suit-and-tie-wearing, you know, curmudgeons, if you will, and it kind of belittled those that call themselves Christians because we are really Christ followers, right? So that video got around. So I started thinking, is there a difference between being a Christian and a Christ follower? What do those two terms really mean? Why do some not want to be called Christians? Is being a true Christian, so being truly saved, is it about being like Christ and following Christ? Or is it more about believing in Christ? What makes us a true Christian? Can you be a true Christian and not follow Christ's ways? And can you follow Christ's ways and not be a true Christian? Hmm. Right? A lot to think about. There is. So these are the questions. So what's the best biblical description of a true Christian? Someone who's truly saved. So that was kind of what my led to some of my study for this particular topic. So let's look at the term Christian first, all right? Okay. So Christian is in the Bible. And in fact, the first use of the word Christian is in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, which says this, And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught a great number of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay, so there's the first reference to the word Christian in the Bible. So I looked up the word Christian in the Greek because sometimes it helps to look at the Greek and to understand the Greek language. That was what the New Testament, after all, was written in. The Greek word for Christian is Christianos. And do you know what that word means in the Greek, Christianos? It means a Christian, a follower of Christ. (laughs) Okay. Oh, well, okay, so... I guess I shouldn't have had a problem with people calling themselves Christ followers. Right. Right? They actually mean the same thing. A Christian is a Christ follower. Oh, oh okay. Well, there's the end of our show, I guess, right? Then we don't that need to. That do... concludes our material, right? <laughs> that okay. concludes our material right. for the day. They're the same thing. Well, no, because there's more to this, right? Why are so many in the church, more and more in the church, not wanting to call themselves Christians, but Christ followers. What's the distinction that they're trying to make by using one versus the other? So in reading a number of people of why they call themselves Christ followers, I came up with three 
kind of reasons why people emphasize are tr- what they're trying to emphasize by using the term Christ follower over Christian. Number one, Christians just aren't that attractive in their eyes, right? They're they're old, they're stuffy, they're intolerant, they're legalistic, they're the TV evangelists that are on TV. Um, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. They drink black coffee instead of lattes, and they won't let you bring your coffee into the sanctuary, mm-hmm. right? That's the view of being a Christian. And so I don't want to be that Christian, so I'm going to be a Christ follower. Here's what somebody said in a Christianity Today article a few years ago called, Not a Christian, but a Christ follower. Quote, Anyone can understand the desire for an alternate word to Christian. Really? I mean, anybody can understand the desire for wanting an alternate word? Yeah. I mean, I call myself a Christian. Me too, so you've already lost me. I I I agree. There are plenty of Christians, he says, that I'd rather not be associated with. And he goes on to say, non-Christian Christ followers, non-Christian Christ followers. isn't it? uh, Well, yeah, we just described that they both mean the same thing. So that's really, it's not really, even seem to have some scripture on their side. So he talks about being a follower of the way, which is in the Bible, right? That phrase is in the Bible. And he says it's growing uh, in popularity, there's over 900 Facebook pages about being a follower of Christ. There's probably many more by this time. So if we, but here's here's the problem. So if all Christians start calling themselves Christ followers, I'm assuming this guy would probably write an article 20 years from now saying, you know, all those Christ followers, I really don't like how they're acting, so right. I'm going to come up with a new name. Right. Right. That's how it's going to be. All right. So second reason. The second reason I think that people use the phrase Christ follower is they want to emphasize the doing part of Christianity. It's one, for example, one guy said in defining Christ followers, he said, one, they follow Jesus. Two, they suffer for Jesus. Three, they serve for Jesus. And four, they imitate and reflect Jesus. Now, all four of those things are fine, right? We should do that as believers in Christ. But notice in his definition There's nothing about being in Christ Jesus. There's nothing about having a saving relationship with him, believing in him for salvation and getting eternal life from that. So there's really nothing about salvation. It's about the works that we are supposed to do as a Christ follower. Um, Jesus is a good moral teacher. He has good moral teachings But if that's the only Jesus you know, C.S. Lewis famously made the argument about liar, lunatic, or Lord, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't leave open the option that he's just a good teacher to follow, right? Even New Age people talk about the Christ consciousness and the teachings of Jesus, but don't believe in him for salvation. Mm -hmm. And that definition just lacks that. So I think people trying to emphasize the working part of Christianity, but they miss the positional part of our salvation. All right, so that's number two. And then number three, and, and I think this one kind of summed up a lot. We, we even heard it in a couple of these descriptions, is that there are some in, who are believers in Christ that don't agree with the politics or at least the perceived politics of Christians. And, you know, in, in this country, about 60% of those who call themselves Christian tend to vote Uh, more conservative, more Republican. In fact, about 80% or actually above 80% of self-proclaimed born-again evangelical Christians will vote Republican or conservative. 
So it leads to attitudes like this. So this was an article in the Huffington Post uh, a few years ago. A couple, yeah, three years ago. As a child, um, my Christian faith was just a part of my identity as much as my brown hair. My family went to church every Sunday, prayed before dinner, read the Bible before we went to bed. I went to church camps and church retreats and Christian concerts. I went to a Christian school and a Christian college. Today, as an adult and a mother, I find a lot about my Christian upbringing problematic. And now in 2017, my eyes are wide open to how much of the world views my faith. And in many ways, I don't disagree with that perception. I'm horrified and embarrassed at the ways American Christianity is promoting nationalism, political agendas totally contradictory to Christ's teaching, and a president who in no way represents the Jesus I was taught to love. So why doesn't this author want to use the term, you know, um, um, Christian? It's because she disagrees with the politics or the majority of people that think their politics are Christian. Right? That's not what being a Christian is about. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus, you know, who would Jesus vote for president? Was Jesus a Republican? I don't, I don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. You know, I'm kind of with Abraham Lincoln who said, ask not whether or not God is on our side, but whether or not we are on his side. But our, politi- our biblical worldview and our beliefs should influence our politics. You know, what you view on immigration, what you view on health care— you know, and they want to say that, well, Jesus would provide health care to everybody, and Jesus wouldn't build a wall, and Jesus is a socialist, or whatever they say. Um, but So I think the political reasons are one of the big reasons why people say, well, I don't want to identify as a Christian because I view them as a conservative whatever, mm-hmm. and therefore I'm going to come up with a new name and call myself a Christ follower. All right. Jeff Redorn's my guest. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. I guess today we're talking about, uh, do you call yourself a Christian or do you say you're a Christ follower? We've had a couple of people jump in. Jeff, a listener said, I call myself a born-again believer in Jesus. Oh, hang on to that thought. That's a good one, isn't it? Yes. Another one said, "There's let's see, there's nothing in Christian that says in Christ either. Correct. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're going to get there. That neither one of those descriptions, because both mean a follower of Christ, uh, identify you as someone who is in Christ, uh, that new birth, that new creation. So that's where we're going to end today, awesome. actually. Good deal. So very good questions. So just a couple points on this whole kind of political thing that I just thought I'd make. So this is kind of a, a sidebar here moment. Uh, and the first point is, is that, our, like I mentioned, our biblical beliefs should and must influence our politics and our policies, right, in our government. And two, the, but the mission of the church is not to save governments or society or a country, but individuals, mm-hmm. okay? So let me expand on that. You know, our, our founders understood man and understood man's heart, right? Jeremiah 17 says that, you know, the heart is desperately, desperately wicked, uh, they knew man was corrupt, and so they set up a government that wasn't based on the rule of man, but on the rule of law. 
So if you're going to have to obey something, it needs to be a law that's duly passed by a legislature, signed by a president, and deemed constitutional by a judicial branch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, those three, In fact, those three branches of government, our founders understood. Isaiah 33, 22 says, the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. Well, what are our three branches of governments? Lawgiver, legislator, a judge, judicial, king, executive branch. They understood man's heart and wanted to separate those powers apart and limit, limit the power of men in government, right? I would argue that our primary, the primary purpose of the Constitution to establish the, the outline of what it looks like, but to limit any individual person or, and the government as a whole from having too much power, um, you know, other things. I mean, there's lots of things of how their biblical worldview, the biblical understanding that they had influenced the writing of our Constitution. But just one that I, I always find interesting is in Deuteronomy 17, where God says, don't let a foreigner rule over you. So we have a requirement in our Constitution that our president be a natural born citizen, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of biblical principles that influenced our founding, our policies and our and our laws in this country. Um the um, the separation of church and state, for example, that we hear a lot about. I'm sure you guys have talked about this on, on your air. I don't think we ever have. But, you know, that's not in the Constitution. The Constitution doesn't limit our religious privileges. In fact, the Constitution is designed, the First Amendment is designed to keep government out of our religion, not keep our religious principles out of the government. And that's how it's commonly stated today. It's like, oh, you can't let religion influence your politics or your policies because there's separation of church and state. That's just a misuse of that phrase, which isn't, by the way, even in the Constitution. So should God be in our politics? Of, of course he should be. God is the one that establishes kings and kingdoms, right, according to Daniel 2. If, if, if you want to understand any issue of the day, whether it be abortion or immigration or welfare or the size and scope of government or even taxation, gender, marriage, sexuality, adultery, uh, theft, you know, is stealing wrong? Well, the te- one of the Ten Commandments is thou shall not steal. You know, in Dallas a couple weeks ago, they actually, the, uh, the city or a judge determined that they weren't going to prosecute anything if you stole anything under $750. Mm-hmm, I heard that. Remember that mm-hmm. in the news? It's just, that's crazy. Should our biblical worldview influence our policymaking? Absolutely. Um, But at the same time, the mission of the church is not the reformation of governments or society. It's the salvation of men. And I I, I have a longer quote here that I want, really want to read. This is from a guy by the name of Clarence Larkin. He's one of my favorite theologians of all time. He wrote a book called Dispensational Truth over 100 years ago now. And uh, sometimes we need to go back a little bit to get some truth. I wisdom. agree. I like, so, I like Clarence Larkin. All right. So can I read this? Let Please. Me read this. As we have seen, the church is not an organization, but an organism. Therefore, it is not a social club organized for the benefit of its members, nor a place of amusement to pander to the nature of carnal nature of man. It is also not a house of merchandise for the selling of indulgences. Neither is it a reform bureau to save the bodies of men. The reformation of men is very commendable as all forms of social service, but that is not the work or the mission of the church. The world was just as full, if not fuller, of the evils that afflicted society today in the days of Christ. But he never, nor did the apostles, 
organize any reform agencies. He knew that the source of all evils in this world is sin, and the only way to eradicate sin is the regeneration of the human heart. And so he gave the world the gospel, and the mission of the church is to carry that gospel to the whole world. The gospel is not a system of ethics or a code of morals. It is a proclamation of salvation. The purpose of the gospel in this dispensation is not to save society, but to save the individual members that are to compose the body of Christ. Wow, that is really good. Isn't that good? Mm, Clarence Larkin. Very strong. So what should we call ourselves, right? Neither of these terms, Christian or Christ follower, as your listener pointed out, really identifies who we are in Christ, right? A Christ follower, here's another site that I found, and it says this, what is a Christ follower? A Christ follower is a person that has a relationship with Jesus and desires to live like life according to his teachings. Oh, there's the two parts, right? Our identity in Christ, that we have been united with Christ relationally, and now that we are saved, we want to live that out. So this person identified a Christ follower as both of those. But really, neither Christian, which means follower of Christ, and a Christ follower, which means follower of Christ, really identify a person as someone united with Christ. Neither one of them does. So let's look at both of them again. We said Christian is in the Bible. And the word Christian, for example, another place that it's used is in Acts 26. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think in such a short time that you can persuade me to be a Christian, he asked Paul, meaning a follower of Christ. Interestingly, Christ follower is not in the Bible. Okay, that phrase is not in Scripture anywhere. Now, true, it's true that Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. All right, so there it's kind of being a follower of Christ. There's also the term disciple. Now, a disciple, a lot of people say, well, I'm a disciple of Christ. Well, that's really good. Also, you want to be a disciple of Christ, but a disciple is really a learner. It's a pupil, someone who's learning the ways of Christ. What's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that. Oh, good. But once again, it doesn't identify our relationship with him in that word, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Another description is imitator. Right? Paul says, be imitators of us. Live according to the pattern that we gave you, Philippians 3 says. And 2 Thessalonians 3, 9 says, in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. So we should be all these things, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we should be followers of Christ. We should be disciples of Christ. We should be imitators of him. But only after we've received God's salvation. Because I asked the question, can a follower of Christ, can a follower of Christ, you can be a follower of Christ and not truly saved. You can be a disciple and not be born again. You can be an imitator of Christ, but not having a saving relationship with him. All right, Jeff Verdorn is my guest. We will take a short break and we'll be right back with lots more. On Faith Radio. We're back with Jeff Verdorn. We're talking about uh, 
if you call yourself a Christian or a Christ follower, then we're coming to the conclusion that a true believer in Christ is Christ in you. Right, Jeff? Absolutely. Right. Okay, good. <laughs> You're looking ahead. Now I've got five pages of notes, and I'm figuring out how we're going to get through this. I know. Well, I'm going to go through that list quickly. Those okay. are some of the things that God describes us as believers in Him. He's got a lot of different descriptions on how He describes us, so I want to go through that list. But really quick, one of the first ones, or the the core concepts that we're talking about here, is being in Christ, as you just mentioned. So Galatians 3 Verse 26 through 28 says this, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave or free, or male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In fact, this phrase, in Christ Jesus, is God, is, is, is really Scripture's favorite description of being a Christian that we are in Christ. That doesn't come through, really, with the phrase Christian or Christ follower, really. So we want to come up with some description that encompasses our relationship that we are in Christ and that we should follow him, all right? So this is this is Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17, right? This is quite a cliffhanger. <laughs> are we coming up with an answer at the end of this hour? We are. I got a couple answers. Boy. So John 17, you know, when Jesus says, I pray that they may be one just as we are one and they in me and I'm in you and this whole unity of Christ. We, we need that phrase that, that represents that. Um, one more list before we get to those names really quick. Uh, my good friend, uh, John Woodward, who you've had on air a yeah, couple he's times. Yeah, he's great. When I was studying this, of course, it's just so much like God. I get something in the email where he is talking about this very subject in a, in a little different way. Um, But Philippians 2 says this, If any of you have encouragement from being united with Christ, those who are truly saved, right, united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete being like-minded. Oh, there's the follower part, the Mm -hmm. imitator Mm -hmm. part. You see that? Oh, yeah. Having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Well, so there's the two parts. There's the relationship part and the purpose part or the doing part. What you do follows who you are. You see that? So John Woodward's list, he talks about salvation versus service. He talks about new birth versus spiritual growth. He talks about receiving the Holy Spirit versus being filled with the Holy Spirit. He talks theologically about positional sanctification versus progressive sanctification. He says, we are children of the light, so let your light shine before men. God has declared us holy, saints, so therefore be holy in all that you do. So he has this whole list, a whole article that he just wrote a little while ago that talks about the the distinctions in Scripture between being in Christ and now trying to live out as a follower of Christ. Oh, I loved his list. It was really good. All right, so now our list. So how does God see a Christian? The first word I just mentioned, saints. Now, saint means holy. We are holy in Christ. He's made us holy and blameless in his eyes. But saints, yeah, it kind of has some connotations, right? If you have a Catholic background, it's only the church that declares people saints. Now, mm-hmm. we know in biblically, all believers are called saints. 
biblically. But I like that one. That one's good. Um, in Christ Jesus, another description of those who are in Christ. We just talked about that one, one of the most common descriptions of Christ. I like that one a lot. I'm in Christ Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Oh, that's a good one. Christ is the head. We are all members of his body, right? Mm-hmm. That creates a certain picture of being part of Christ, being united with him. And I kind of like that. We're the body of Christ. That's that's good. I like that one. Um, how about the bride of Christ? I like that one a lot. I do too. Now, do you think the world would really understand what that truly means? Yeah, I'm the bride of Christ. I'm not sure a lot of Christians understand I, it. I agree with that. So this is a really cool description because the church is actually portrayed as the bride who's made herself ready, dressed in fine linen, white and clean, uh, as we are glorified uh, after the rapture and then come together with Christ. And he even says, in fact, I talked about this verse at Sarah's wedding briefly, that we, that a man and a woman become one flesh. But he says, this is a great mystery, but he's really talking about Christ and his church, Right that we've become one. Oh, that's a beautiful description of our relationship and being united with Christ. Um, another one is believers. We are called believers a number of places. Actually, in Scripture, we're never actually called believers, even though in the English it says believers. In the Greek, it's actually one who believes, right? And it's like, oh, I'm one who believes. That's a good description. It is a good one. But it doesn't really say what you're believing in, right? So you'd have to say, I'm, I'm one who believes in Christ as my Savior. That's pretty good. I kind of like that too. Blameless in his sight. Blameless in his sight. Oh, that goes right to the word saint, the Greek word hagios, holy. That's hard for people to put their arms around, I bet. You know, This is one of these teachings for a believer in Christ that we have assurance of salvation, that he's washed us clean, he's forgiven us completely. Forgiven. Oh, there's another word, forgiven. We are forgiven in his eyes. Um, In fact, one of my favorite bumper stickers that I saw a Christian have was, I'm not perfect, just forgiven, right? But really, if you're blameless in God's sight, in fact, he calls us perfect elsewhere in Scripture. Um, It means spotless, blameless, forgiven, cleansed. We've been cleansed with the blood of Christ. God no longer counts our sins against us. He separated them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. Wow, that's good news. Amen? Amen. We're blameless in his sight. Um, good one. Good description. How about born again? This is one that your listener brought up. And I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but a born-again something, something. It was a, um, a woman, Maria. She said, I call myself a born-again believer in Jesus. Oh, born-again. Of all the phrases, I think this one describes who Christians are so, so well. I'm born-again. Marvel but, not when I say you must be born-again. Oh, that's exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus, mm-hmm. right, in John chapter 3. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this... This phrase comes with some history, right? I'm old enough to remember back when Jimmy Carter, when he was running for president, called himself famously in a Playboy magazine interview before he got elected, and I think it was in 1975 or 1976, that he was a born-again Christian. 
And so after that, there was a lot of discussion, a lot of media. In fact, Newsweek had a cover of their magazine said, saying, born again. What does born again mean? What is it all about? And uh, he was actually the first presidential candidate uh, to ever describe himself, actually, as born again. Oh, here's the, I found the date. November 1976, Newsweek cover, born again, the evangelicals. Um, there's actually other descriptions in the Bible that mean the same thing. Born from God, born from above. Um, my mother has a great story. I love to tell this story. Um, she was at a dinner party at her home, actually, and somebody showed up and was wearing a cross. And my mom said, oh, you're wearing a cross. Are you a Christian? And the lady said, yes, but not one of those born-again types. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I know there's some baggage that goes along with this description, but it is so suiting to who we are. She then said, I said to my mom, what did you say to that? And she kind of said, well, nothing. You know, I didn't want to get into a big discussion or whatever. And she said, what would you have said? And I said, well, probably something like, well, you know there's no other kind, right? There's no other kind of true Christian except those that are born again. So you may not like that phrase, but it is a perfect description of who you are in Christ Jesus. Next one. Um, Brothers. We're called brothers in Christ. Um, This kind of relates to the phrase children of God. But both of these, there's lots of groups out there right now that would call themselves brothers, right? We have fraternity brothers or you're my brother or something. So that may not be specifically unique to Christian fellowship, especially when it comes to Christ. The children of God one is. I really like that one. But I know I've talked about this before on other shows. The children of God label is one of those labels that I think is, it's one of the big lies of the world. We hear it all the time that we are all God's children, mm-hmm. right? So if we were to just say, I'm a children of God, child of God, I think the world would hear, well, yeah, of course, we're all God's children. It, even though the Bible specifically says that yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A child of God is reserved for those who have believed in Jesus Christ. That's when we're adopted into God's family, and he declares us children of God. Prior to that, we're not all God's children. Uh, and in fact, uh, if you think about it, we can, we can say of the world we are all made in God's image, right? We can say of the world that God loves every single person. We can say of the world that God came in the form of Christ in the flesh and died on the cross for all of their sins. And we can say of the world that he desires all to be saved, but only the saved are called children of God. So I like that. Might be a little confusing to the world because of the lie. Christians should know the truth, though. They should. I mean, when people who are hostile to the gospel say, well, we're all God's children. Well, we're all created in God's image, but it's not until you believe, like John one twelve says, that you are adopted and become children of God. Yeah, and, and, my, and I hear it often, actually more than, I, when the, than we should hear it, from Christian teachers, preachers, whatever, um, or just people in general. But for the most part, you know, we're not supposed to talk about politics and religion. So if someone says that, you and I might bring up that verse and say something, well, you know, it's only those who believe in Jesus that are really called children of God and do that with grace and truth and so on. But a lot of Christians will just 
not say anything, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to bring it up. So, next one. How about this one? God calls us children of light. I like that. Jesus was the true light that came into the world. And then he says, we are the light of the world. And so we have received the light. We are the light of the world. We're supposed to let our light shine. That says a lot right there with that description. We're children of the light. But it maybe it sounds maybe just a little new agey or something. You know, I'm a child of the light, you know. That's right out of, out of Ephesians, though, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, right. Ephesians uh, 5, Ephesians 5, 8 says that we are children of the light. I love it. It's a I great description. Fantastic. Uh, the next one, Christ's ambassadors. You could say, I'm an ambassador of Christ. Um, I, have a whole, I do a whole teaching on just this one and all the characteristics of an ambassador of Christ that we, remember, we're strangers and aliens in this world. So where is your true citizenship? Heaven. Heaven. So you're actually not an American first. You're a heavenonian. I like that's, it. That's my word, by the way. That's okay. not, not in the Bible. So you're a heavenonian, mm-hmm. and you're an ambassador from that foreign land in this world. And uh, I really like this one a lot, that we are to speak on God's behalf. We are to appeal to man on God's behalf, especially when it comes to preaching the gospel. So we're Christ ambassadors. Um, next one, the church. Oh, the church. This one probably has as much baggage as Christian does for mm-hmm. some people, right? Mm-hmm. Because many people have been hurt by the church. Some people see the church as the Catholic church. Others see it as the Episcopalian church. Others see it as a building or whatever. The church, however, biblically, according to Ephesians 1, is the body, the ecclesia. That's the Greek for church. It means the called out ones. We are the ones who have been called out from the world through faith in Christ to be his ambassadors. Oh, what a great description. The church. But eh, it's got some baggage, I think, with it, too. But these are all great. I love, by the way, personally, I love every one of these things. I do, too. All right. Christian, of course. Now we've talked about that one. Mm -hmm. So that means a follower of Christ. How about chosen? We are chosen. Well, that brings up some of this Calvinistic stuff, maybe a little bit. But chosen, again, means called out ones. It means literally that we've been called out, set apart, made holy uh, for his purposes. Oh, that's great. We're the chosen. Did you see the the uh, new TV show that came out called The Chosen? I, I've seen the trailer for it. I've not seen it in any episodes. It's a really it, – there's seven or eight episodes. Do you remember how many? Eight. There's eight episodes. And the first couple were good, but it but didn't stick to the biblical narrative all that closely. The latter ones, they got just got better and better and better. And by eight, actually, they do a, this Nicodemus scene, I think, in six or seven. And mm-hmm. it's just awesome. And then they do the woman at the well in John chapter four. I think that was the last one, the eighth one. It was done so well. It uh, was just a great show. And that's called The Chosen, available on the Internet only. So. Okay. Uh, next one. Let's see where we're at here. Heirs with Christ. Heirs with Christ. Oh, that is such a beautiful picture of our inheritance, of our future, of the hope that we have, that we will receive glorified bodies and become become heirs uh, with Christ. Um, very good one. 
Uh, Saints is good. We already talked about that. We are kingdom and priests. Another one. Do you want to take a break and then come I back? I do need to take a break. I'm not paying attention to the clock. I'm way off here. All right. But I'll be right back with Jeff Redoran. Thanks for being with me. back with Jeff Redorn, my friend and Bible mentor, and we're having a love, lively discussion about, you call yourself a Christian or a Christ follower, and we're finding out all that we are in Christ, a very important distinction. There's a big payoff at the end of the hour. I think, <laughs> Jeff, you've got a big dis, a new descriptor for how we can identify ourselves. We got it. There's a couple more on the list, so just really okay. quick. We got to get through those before we get to the, the culmination here. Um, we're ministers of a new covenant. We talked about kingdom and priests before we left. Um, we are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that says anybody is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This gets to the heart, by the way. I love this description because that's who we are. We are made new by God, which gives us, the, which is really being born again, right? Mm-hmm. That gives us the right to be called children of God, and uh, there's so much there that we are a new creation. That's Second Corinthians five seventeen. That's a great verse to remember. Anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Overcomers. Oh, I do a whole teaching on this. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. We have overcome the world because we are in Christ, who overcame the world, even death. John sixteen says so. Jesus has overcome. We are in Christ, so we are overcomes overcomers. We have overcome the world. We are righteous. We need to spend a whole hour on just that word. We'll do that when you come back. Okay. The righteousness of Christ. That the, You remember, Paul says, the righteous shall live by faith. So many times it says that a righteousness that's known apart from the law that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's who we are. We've been made, declared righteous by God. Powerful word. We're saved well, that's a simple description. I'm saved. I like that. That's a big deal, though. It is a big deal. It's a big deal. Saved from what? Right? It conjures right. up, well, what were you saved from? Who saved you? What were yes. you saved into? Yes. What was the outcome you got saved from? Absolutely. Love that phrase. We're servants. We're called sheep. We're strangers in this world. We're the temple of God. He dwells in us now. Oh, that's a good one. Because it talks about that indwelling of God in us, the temple, the tabernacle of God. So here's my recommendation. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what I think this might maybe be too we long. should be called. I, <laughs> I just have a feeling this is going to be dramatic. Here we go. All right. I am a follower of Christ who has been born again, made holy in his sight, a saint, a child of God with an inheritance as an ambassador who is a true servant of Christ, made perfect to be a minister of the gospel of Christ, a holy priest, the bride, who is the temple of God, blameless in his sight, believer Christian. (laughs) And you expect to have friends. Yeah, that one's a bit too long. (laughs) So in John... It's so good, though. uh, It's so descriptively perfect. And that's only about a quarter of the words from our list, right? That's fantastic. (laughs) So John chapter 3. Now there was a man a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. 
He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. But Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. How can this be? Nicodemus asks. Later in verse 14, just as Moses was lifted, lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said you have to be born again. Oh, I'm a born again Christian. That gets to my position in Christ and a follower of him. And so if you like the name Christian, proclaim yourself a born again Christian. And if you like Christ follower, which is really what Christian means, then I would just exhort you to call yourself, I am a born again Christ follower. Yeah, that's, you must be born again. You must be born again. I say often, born once, die twice. Mm-hmm. Born twice, die once. If you're only born of water, you will face a physical death and an eternal death. You will die twice. But if you're born twice, born of water and the Spirit, born again, then you will face physical death, but you'll never, ever face what the Bible calls the second death, being thrown into the lake of fire. And Jeff, just remind us all, because you've done a beautiful job today, of reminding us all about our identity, who we are in Christ. Because I don't think you can really know who you are until you know who you are in Christ. Yeah, there's a lot of places in Scripture, uh, you know, Romans chapter 6, no, no. God says, know that you have been crucified with Christ. Know that you've been resurrected with him. Know that Christ is in you. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that the, I think so many issues, so many theological issues and life issues result in our not understanding fully our identity in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Really been a fascinating study. I have loved this. And if I even hinted to my listeners, I could send you these notes. They, I would spend my next three nights doing this, so I'm not even going to suggest it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to. These are, I, I should have made this up to be in, a, in more of a list format. That's these like are just nine kind pages of here. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I could it, put the list together and send well, you Well, maybe a, you should. I could do a, more, a little more formal list that you could pass out. Well, yeah, I can't commit to it right okay. now. But, I mean, seriously, because <laughs> I want to have a summer vacation. Uh, true. Yeah. And maybe next time we can... Maybe I can that, remind listeners next time that I have this list available. Okay. Yeah. And then we can we can do a like a mass mailing. Cool. That'll be good, wouldn't it? Yes. You know, and I think one of these uh, times I want to get your son, uh, Sam, on, on the show. Oh, hey. I mean, he's a really smart 20-year-old person. Ask him, Sam. I'm, I'm 
Sam is a worship leader, uh, did at his school, Southwest Christian, and he does at church now. So um, I one of my favorite worship times is listening to Sam. I'm now, I know I'm his father, but he does a really <laughs> good job at it, too. What do you play, Sam? Uh, I play acoustic and acoustic, uh, what? acoustic guitar okay. and bass guitar. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, that's... Um... He sang at Sarah's wedding. Mm-hmm. Really? What did you yeah. sing? Uh, we sang a song called The Goodness of God. Yeah, any and, banjo in it? And The Blessing. <laughs> no, no banjo. No banjo? No, no banjo. That's too bad. Must not have been that good. Should have been there. Well, I was available. That was, was that was, was one of the time out of many that I almost lost it at my daughter's wedding. Yeah, I have my was, daughter up mm-hmm. there, my son singing, and he's talking about God being faithful our whole Ooh. lives. What is that? Being faithful your whole life or something? One of the lines of that song, and I was losing it right I then. I bet. There. I bet. I sure appreciate you both being here. Jeff Redorn has been my guest, and we have, uh, I think, done a really nice job of sorting this out. And I hope you feel uplifted and encouraged and you are, are reminded of who you are in Christ and that you can be bold in how you identify and how you can go out into the world and be an ambassador and a light. That um, kind of wraps up our show. Just a reminder, tomorrow in the four to five hour, I'll be joined by Carmen LeBurge and Susie Larson. We've got a little surprise special hour for you. So please uh, remember to join us tomorrow and uh, Guy Talk will also happen tomorrow. So it's going to be a great show. Have a good night, everybody. Sleep well. Have uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.